Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Throwback Thursday. Uh, as usual, our uh, we have new content goes out every Monday morning on Shop Talk. That's 6 a.m. your local time. So please subscribe and share the podcast with anybody um, that you think might enjoy it or benefit from it. Um, that said, also just wanted to give a quick shout out to those of you that have left us five-star reviews, uh, or as John would say, wicked good five-star reviews. We really appreciate those. Um, and if you haven't done that yet, if uh, you want to take the you know, 15 to 65 seconds that it takes to leave us a good review, we would really appreciate it. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye, everybody. That wasn't one clap, that was three. That was three. It was three claps because every time I do one, you make fun of me. Right. And we've already had a practice run on this, by the way, because I forgot to hit the record button. So there's a second (laughs) thing that you get to make fun of me on. Thank you all for listening. We're so happy you've joined us. Um, So our guest today that we're sitting here with is Mr. Jay Williams. And Jay is the author of a book called Leave Your Mark, which is the thinking skills and behaviors of salon leaders. And uh, the reason why we're so excited to have Jay on here, first of all, you've probably heard of him if, you're, if you love to listen to education and you, you, know, you stay plugged in. Jay just has such a vast amount of experience and background from working with cosmetology students, which is where I actually met you, Jay, down here at the CUNE Academy by 124, coming down and working with the students in our school. But you know, your experience is vast. You've spoken around the world and country and held positions from working with cosmetology students all the way up to high-level executive. And so welcome, Jay Williams. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. For the second time around. For the second time. It feels like I've been here before. It's deja vu all over again. (laughs) Yogi Berra quote, yes. So with that said, John, you know, um, there's so many different ways we could take this conversation. Why don't you lead us off? You know, I think what I like, want to start off a little bit differently than we normally do. Um, you know, we've had the, the great fortune of we've got like about 30 podcasts in the tank now, give or take one or two or three. Um, and through that process, we've listened to some great voices. We've gotten some great, you know, um, some great education from a whole lot of uh, wonderful sources, people that we look up to. Um, and I think one of the things I want to talk about today is intellectually, most of us now know what we need to do right? Whether we're listening to podcasts, YouTube channels, reading books, you know, we intellectually know what we need to get done, right? But I think for many salon owners, for many stylists, there's this disconnect between I know what I need to do. Intellectually, I I know what has to be done. I know what needs to be measured. I know what behaviors I need to change. And yet for some reason, there's a disconnect from A, knowing what I need to do to actually following through and being able to do it and maybe not just today, but also make a habit of it, right? So that I actually can create the change that I want to see in my company or in my own personal life. And I think Jay's like the perfect person 
to talk to in regards to, you know, Jay, so let me ask you this question because it's going to take up the next 45 minutes to, a, to an hour, you know, how do we actually get change to happen? How do we make it consistent? How do we actually make progress on all the things that we've learned intellectually over the last six months, nine months, a year, our lives? 25 years, yeah. Yeah, how does that happen? You know what, John? I don't know. No, I'm asking you another but question. Can yeah, you what, what I'm really asking you for. I'm asking you for the secret of life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought you were going to ask me something easy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know the secret to life, and you've only got like forty-five minutes, so. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it'd be easier if you asked me. You know, how do you solve world poverty? Yeah. Uh, here's, you know, so I do work obviously within the industry, and I love it, and I do work outside the industry because. You know, what ails our industry is what ails humanity. So as we talk today, I won't talk to people as stylists or salon owners as much as human beings. Now, mm -hmm. the examples may be in a salon. I would just tell you from doing work outside the industry, the same things are ailing business. Mm -hmm. And the number one question that if somebody was going to seek out education, I would ask, and this answers your question, that I get asked outside the industry is, Jay, how do we make what you're going to share with us sustainable? Which right. was your question, right? That's my question, yeah. And so I just want to encourage anybody who's listening to ask that exact same question of any educator or education company that they work with is how will you make this sustainable? Mm -hmm. So that, let, let me answer that question first. So the first thing I would share with you, John, is that when you say about change, you're talking about performance. So if you could visualize this and somebody had performance at the top, mm -hmm. what drives performance is behavior. Mm -hmm. And what drives behavior is emotions. Mm -hmm. And what drives emotions is thinking. Mm -hmm. So if we stopped right there, if you want to drive performance, mm -hmm. it doesn't start with behavior and emotions. It starts with shifting the thinking. Mm -hmm. And so if with your permission, and I'm going to count on your editing skills and you guys stop, <laughs> I'm going to try and give you a concise, clear, compelling example of where we focused on the behavior and not the thinking. Awesome. It should take about 45 minutes. How's that sound? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, well, well, well a, a, a disclaimer is we will interrupt you. Yep. <laughs> Oh, we you guys wanted to talk. We interrupt oh. ourselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm sure, you know, you'll, you'll start, as you start to drop nuggets, we'll ask questions. Well, let's start off. So anybody who has a visual or they're taking notes, so they started off with performance and right below that behavior and what drives that is emotion and what drives that is thinking. So what you've taken away to this point is that if we're going to uh, shift performance, we need to shift thinking. So let me just give you an example, and this is not a retail conversation, it's just an example that everybody could relate to, mm -hmm. is 57 years ago, retail went into salons. And the first year, if you're listing as an owner, it did 6%. So if you did $100,000 in services, you did $6,000 in retail. And it was phenomenal news. It really was because the owner needed that. Mm -hmm. And 57 years ago, that was solid. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. And let me, for anybody who's a stylist who's listening, let, let me just share this with you. Your owner only has three ways of making money. So it's either the split with you, which is not a profitable model. The second way is what they generate behind the chair. And 91% of owners are not taking home what they make behind the chair. The third way they can make money is retail. So I just share it with you. It's not an evil plan to take over the planet. Mm-hmm. It's simply so that, you know what, maybe I can bring someone in for education. Maybe we can have a holiday party. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you see where I'm going with this. So if you're listening, just I want to shift your thinking as it relates to what your owner, why they focus on this. Mm-hmm. So if you're with me to this point, 57 years later, so last year, I think you guys know already, what would you guys guess the retail percent was last year? So 57 years later, and we have technology, we have commission, we have contests. What would you guys guess it is? I don't know what the answer is, but I'll bet you it's not more than 6%, the so same like it was 57 I years heard ago. It was like eight? Yeah, it's 8.2%. Now, to your Man. point, John, the reason that that percentage is higher is because the price of retail has gone up more than the price of haircuts. Sure. So you guys are both right. Mm -hmm. That's 29 years of marriage. Did you guys see (laughs) what I did? That was awesome. You're both right. Yes, yes. So um, I share that with you is that for everybody who's listening, so if you did $100,000 of services today, you're now doing $8,200. So the reason I share that with you is that we focused on behavior. We, meaning manufacturers, owners, managers, educators, focused on the behavior. And we said, you know what? We'll give stylists commission. And if you guys know about commission, the thinking behind it is that what motivates people is money. Does that make sense to you guys? Mm -hmm. What studies have shown is that money only motivates people to a certain level. And what we've learned is that once they acquire that, they're now deciding, am I willing to do this for that? So if you look back at overtime, that probably took on, you know, a life around the 30s, 40s, and 50s, Mm -hmm. right? People decided, here, we'll pay you if that's a motivator and you're willing to give up the time with your family, your weekends. Now, when you look generationally, and I think of what you guys are doing at um, 124, this new generation is not motivated by money, not all of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. But what motivates them is flexibility, right. collaboration, mm-hmm. acknowledgement. So mm-hmm. you can fundamentally see the flaw in the behavior already mm-hmm. as offering commission as a stimuli. And for anyone who's listening, it's Pareto's 80-20 rule. You look at your team, 20% mm-hmm. of your people are doing 8%. So you develop the strategy that at best applies to 20% of people. Now, the next step was, you know what? We'll throw contest in. Again, we're mm-hmm. still focusing at the behavior. Mm-hmm. And so you guys can relate to this. If I said, I'm going to count down from three to two to one, just shout out the name of the person who wins your contest. Right. You, guys, you guys have a name, right? Right. Yes. I've done this now hundreds, if not into the thousands of times. Every time someone names a person, because the people who win contests are the people who are motivated by contests. And by the way, whatever that provides, it can provide acknowledgement, right. recommendation, right. competition with yourself, right. with others. So you're tracking with me, focused on behavior, commission, contests. The third thing we did was coercion. And for people who are listening that don't have a, 
working definition. If you do this, you get that, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what it is, netting mm -hmm. it out. Well, when you look at the level system, and by the way, I'm not saying any of these are wrong. Yeah. But when you look at the level system, that is the premise of it. If you have this retention, this referral, this rebooking, this review, this average mm -hmm. ticket, yeah. this retail, then you get that. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that was the strategy of focus on the behavior. Right. Uh, when I work with salons, 99.9% .9 of them, and I haven't met the one that doesn't do it yet, but I want to leave that possibility leave out Leave it out there. there that that can happen, right? It yeah. could happen. Yeah. I'm open-minded. 99.9%, .9 not very wide open-minded, but I am. <laughs> is that the one metrics that they'll overlook in those metrics of retail, retention, referral, rebooking, is retail. So we, we've tried to focus on behavior, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. So what I looked at uh, eight years ago was- Wait, now, now I want to time out. Now when you yeah. say overlooked it, what, what, why were they over, like, why are they overlooking that? Or is it just because they just can't stand, because they can't They get can't it control it. No they one's been able to control it. And I'm right. not going to prevent somebody from moving up because I don't want to extinguish their motivation. But what happened is that that became a negotiable versus a non-negotiable. Right. We were and talking so about that yesterday. Yeah. In a culture, we have to identify what are negotiables and non-negotiables. So if time allows, I'm going to save a separate story for mm. when I implemented a strategy using this, mm. where we increased retail the first year 65% and the second one 63%. But we don't have to talk about that if you guys don't want to. <laughs> so I think I, even though John and I are clearly not interested, yeah, I, I, our listeners, I believe our listeners are probably <laughs> Okay. You know what? Let them, let them set up their own podcast. That's right. They can do it. Well, here's what I'll do is I'll walk you through this history and then I'll give you the applicability because John, this goes back to your first question. How do we make this sustainable? It's right. not enough to believe and agree. You have to do. And so I want to give you an example of where we applied this. So if you're tracking with me, the performance was to sell more retail is at 6%. It went to 8.2%. The behavior was contest commission and coercion. What I did was I thought, well, what is the emotion of the person that we're trying to get this performance out of? And the performance is to sell more retail. This is where I had my aha. And I go into salon after salon. I ask this one question. If you're listening, I encourage you to go into your salon as soon as you can and do this one exercise. Ask your team, what is the first emotion that comes to mind when I say the word retail as it relates to retail in our salon. Because I did it one time and someone goes, well, I thought of retail shopping and therapy and I love it, Jay. <laughs> so just so that you guys know, go in and do that. Unequivocally, everyone has a negative emotion. Anxiety, apprehension, anger were the top three. Those are just the A's. We don't have time to go through the alphabet, but you see where I'm going, you see where I'm going with this. Yeah. That was an aha for me because in society, in branding specifically, if there's a word that has a negative connotation, what do we do? We change the word. Mm -hmm. Not in our industry. Nope. We held on to it. Yes. Now, what's interesting is, is I wanted to see if I could shift their thinking. And if you're taking notes, before you shift someone's perspective, you have to first understand it. 
The reason I did the exercise with that team is I had to understand their thinking first, as did they. Now, there's a little bit of a caveat in here. There were people who said, I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. This won't surprise you. Right. Guess who they were in the cultures? People at the top retail, sure. the people sure. who sure. won the contest, which went to validate that your thinking drives your emotions, which drives your right. performance. The people that totally. had happier emotion. Right. And you know, something's really interesting <clears throat> that I was sort of, I heard out there and then I started to I- identify and really test in going into salons was, you know, your top person in the salon, mm-hmm. uh, they'll, they'll be your top. They're the glass ceiling. You know, everybody sees that as, as the top. Um, and the, the rest of the crew hangs out at about half of what they're doing. Now, you can play with those numbers and make them right or wrong or whatever, but, but from what I've realized in working with people is, um, you know, I, I see that person that seems to me like the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And, and the other, I like, I like the coercion piece and the commission and the contest piece because at the end of the day, it's that thinking of, and, and we, we hear, look, you hear it anytime you're dealing with hairstylists or right. people in general, um, you know, it starts to become a this for that, you know, it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I start to look at, you know, Hey, what do I get out of that? And so you, you really do hear that a lot, um, nowadays. So I'm, you know, I'm validating, but as I'm listening, I'm, I'm taking my own experience and going, yeah, that, that sounds about right to me. And that coercion part, boy, I see so many owners stuck trying to, I call it bribery, right? trying to bribe, you know, people on how to get there. And it's because, and John and I are talking a lot about numbers that are relevant and important and I think what you just said is incredibly invaluable. I mean, I, you know, is I've got to understand what drives somebody before I can make a shift in them. I, I, I mean, as I was listening to you, I almost felt some shame come over me because sometimes Ooh. I'm the type of person who just goes in and goes, you know, you, this, we're, we're going to do that, you know, but, but that's my personality, right? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That, that's not, you know, that quiet intellectual. I don't want to. I don't want to coin it, millenni- you know. But it's not a whoever it is we're working with. Just because something drives me as a as a motivated extrovert doesn't mm-hmm. mean that everybody has that same driver. I believe probably everybody wants to do their best, but they don't want to trade their quality of life for it, and they don't want to trade their own personal values. So as I'm listening to you, that was just kind of floating around in my head. I wanted to spit that out. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, John and and, uh, Chris, you modeled it. I think Mm -hmm. this is how things become sustainable with your learning, is if you you can draw that connection and the applicability. So, Chris, I appreciate you modeling it. For the people who are listening, when they have education come in, that's one of the elements you need to look for is are we showing the applicability we're taking the theory and showing the applicability and so a question you may ask your team is how will you apply this when mm-hmm. will you apply this right and, and 
Chris, you know, what you're experiencing was my same aha is that there's some things that we're ignoring and we're ignoring these emotions that are negative. Now, I just want to, for those who are listening, show you how quickly you can shift thinking. So if you guys will uh, be generous enough to go here with me, I asked them right afterwards. I said, if I was your client, I came up to you and they said, John, why are you always recommending product? I've been coming to you for six years. Why do you always recommend product to me? I said, I want your answer. So now imagine a flip chart. I wrote the word retail with all these negative emotions that they shared with me. Then I put the word recommend. And why do you recommend? Oh my gosh, I saw the best of humanity. Mm -hmm. They said, because I care about my client. Because I see when they look different, they feel different. They said, I want them to be able to replicate the way they look and the way they feel. I want them to have the tools. I want them to experience what I experience as far as how they look. Uh, And I could go on and on. Mm -hmm. I said, let me ask you this. If this is why you do it, do you need contests? to do this with your clients? Do you need commission? Do I? Unequivocally, everyone's response is no. So Mm -hmm. one of the things I'm going to share with you in the example, when we increased retail, is I took commission out of the environment. So just hold on to that piece. Because what they tell me unequivocally, they do not need to be compensated, incentive, coerced, or bribed and realize when you coerce or bribe you're focusing on the behavior not the thinking you're in fact disregarding the thinking Mm -hmm. and the emotion and what happens when you focus there the contest as example you focus on the behavior what happens during the contest you have a spike in sales and what happens after it's not sustainable so this is a long-winded answer to your question john but when you talk about sustainability which is Mm -hmm where we're going is it's not enough. That's why contests, bribery don't work is because you didn't shift the thinking and emotions. You just got them to do something they did not want to do. Yep. Now and here's for, the kick. Oh, go ahead. And I think what happens for many salon owners and uh, who find themselves in this place, you know, I got the spike with retail, right? Cause I did this contest. I had the drop off that comes afterwards. I just got to have another contest. Yeah. You know, who's an example of that. Um, so I started my career out in retail. Mm-hmm. And so for those of you who are listening and old enough to remember one day sales. Mm-hmm. And so Macy's, uh, one of the vice presidents in California, uh, they'd spread from Northern California, to Southern California had a one day sale. Well, they used to sell their entire stores out, man, in a day. Are you ready <laughs> for this? They did over a million dollars. So what did they do after that? Started having one-day sales. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, they trained their consumers not to buy at regular price. Right. People, I was in retail at the time. Get this question. You guys will have a good laugh. They yeah. call up. They go, how long are your one-day sales? Right. Uh, I go, the question <laughs> is, yeah. how long is what? Yeah. Just yeah. But you, we had confused them. Yeah. The I first mean, this- one was one day. After that, yeah. Right. You know, it's it's funny because I can draw, draw a direct parallel into my own current situation. You know, I have to wear black. We talked about this before we recorded. We're all in black, right? Chris and I are all in black because it's our company dress code. So I got to buy black shirts, right? And I go online and I buy, you know, one day, 
found some black shirts and I got three for a hundred bucks, right? Yeah. $33 each. Now the web, the company that I bought them from is a web only store and they send me an email every, every freaking day, sometimes twice, right? But here's the funny part. I keep the emails coming, even though it's annoying because I'm waiting for the next $33 a short sale. But here's the thing. They sent, they've sent me buy four for $69 each, but get them at 70% off and 70% off is their normally $110 price. You know, I'm looking at all these, you know, they're sending me a, an email a day, sometimes twice, trying to entice me to buy again because I have, and I have not bought another shirt because I'm still waiting for the three for a hundred dollar sale thing. And it's been like six months. So you know, but they, but, the, but they've trained me, and I'm blaming them now, right? Let's blame somebody else because it's easy. Um, I'm going to blame them because my first sale, this is what you taught me, right? Yeah. And, I, and, I, and here's the thing. I, I'm supposedly, right, in an industry that tries to use the same tools and implementation, and you can't change my behavior. How do I expect to change other people's behaviors? You just gave a prime example. Let me show you how easy it is. You know, John, you talk about takeaways and you guys said, I want a takeaway at the end of this yeah. podcast for them. You, I'm going to show you something is how, and listen, I do this in large organizations too. If I went to that shirt company, mm -hmm. they focused on the behavior, not shifting the thinking. Right. If we wanted to shift their thinking, I would see what the existing thinking is, is my customers on how many times they should wear a shirt before they need a new one. Mm -hmm. Now I've guided their thinking, right? Right. But now they have this information and they say, well, you know what? I should be able to get 25 wears out of a shirt. Now as a company, if the data supports it, I'm not saying not to do anything sure. that's inauthentic, sure. Sure. is if we know for a fact that the shirt may lose its shape, the shirt may lose its resilience, and if it's wrinkle-free, uh, it may use, lose some of those qualities, mm -hmm. is maybe to put out a piece that you want to wear a shirt for no more than 15 times before you lose the impact of how crisp it is. So mm -hmm. I just want to share with you, once you understand this model, it's you no longer focus on the behavior. Mm -hmm. I need to shift their thinking. Let me understand what their thinking is. If I find out their understanding is, is you can wear it 25 times, I need to shift their thinking. Well, if it's I, true. You can directly, right? You can directly relate, I, and I, not to cut you up, but you can direct, you know, there's so many direct, correlations in the hair industry we're, 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 we're sending them home with hair care they're getting glazes they've got a balayage you know what what's my understanding and belief around um, how long that balayage should last um, you know how, how so it's 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 a really and and then it shifts the intention mm -hmm. of the conversation you know when my right. conversation is look I want your hair to look beautiful and yes, this color has a little more wearability than, you know, a, a foil highlight coming out of your scalp, but it doesn't mean there's not some maintenance that's going to need to happen after 25 shampoos or 10, you know, whatever, whatever that case may be. And I believe what probably what you believe, which is, you know, every person here, they're all trying to do their best and right. they don't, they don't want to dupe their client. Like if they think they're selling them something, that they don't need or want, but when they believe it as they need and want it, 
then they'll go all day long on that. And that, and you can, I think you can see that trickle down to even the most unengaged stylist who, who's jumped ship because they feel coerced and they feel, you know, that they've just been using the carrot and the stick and they don't want to do that anymore. You know, they, right. I, you know, because lifestyle again is a thing. So that's, that's, um, well, let me do this. I'm going to interrupt again because, yeah. um, Jerry, we warned you. So, um, right. okay, please. Um, where did we get this idea then? And maybe it's not an idea. Maybe it's just a belief rather than our actual conscious thought that it's easier to change, to try to change people's behavior than it is to change their thinking. Because right? we spend a lot of time, a lot of time on behavior. A lot of time on behavior. So, um, let me drop a little neuroscience on you. I mean, th this is the reality, is that the brain response naturally seeks out activities that require less thinking. Mm -hmm. It does, mm -hmm. and what it's doing is reserving that thinking for more complex issues. Oh, well, like when a bachelorette is on and I have to figure out which guy she's gonna take home? You're yes, right. and so <laughs> those are complex. Was that the easy thinking or the hard thinking? That's I'm the hard thinking. Okay. I have spent a lot of time on this, Jay. He's been yes, a lot of time I know. On. See, that's I, clarity. I, I didn't know where to go. I, so. you know, and then I have to talk about with my wife, and we have to converse, and we have to like think about it together because I can't think of it by myself. I need no, help. You will reserve that energy. So, yeah. as an example, is that you will go if the show's coming on and you go, oh, I don't know what I should wear. And you go, you know what? Let me go in the closet and just grab my black shirt. And you go, yep, this looks good. I'll sit down and watch. Right. And being true to that story, mm -hmm. the brain got rewarded. It went in, you found something you liked. That's how we develop habits. When we mm -hmm. get rewarded for things that require very little thinking. You went into the closet. I don't know what to wear. I'll grab the black shirt, put it on. Now I can reserve it for the bachelorette. How was that, Chris? That was a stretch for me. But yeah. here's the point is that we have to be careful. What happened was it took very little thinking to replicate a contest. Oh, we'll buy two, get one free, give 25% off, whatever it is. And we got rewarded. Sales went up. That's how it became a habit for us. And by the way, if you get rewarded, whether the result is good or bad, that's all your brain picks up. So somebody who smokes, as an example, if you want another example, they realize that's not good for them. It takes very little energy. I shouldn't smoke. I'm not going to think about that. It relieves the stress and the pressure. They go outside. They smoke. They feel better. That's the habit that happens there. Even though they know it may not be the right thing, that's to answer your question, that's how it becomes a habit. Shifting someone's thinking requires more work. You yeah. now have to solicit their current thinking. So when we talked about performance being driven by behavior, being driven by emotions, at the core of it, when I ask salons, and you guys are going to be able to finish this, and the audience can too. I'm a creative person. I am not a Salesperson. salesperson. There you go. So let's recap. The thinking is I'm not a salesperson. Mm -hmm. Anger, anxiety, apprehension. Now do you understand? And mm -hmm. we were ignoring everything below behavior. Now, mm -hmm. when I asked the group about recommending completely different emotions and passions, here's mm -hmm. what I'm pitching. If we want to impact 
the current dynamic around retailing, mm -hmm. we have to eliminate the word in our culture. Mm -hmm. We have to eliminate, not retail, yeah. retailing. We have right. to completely remove it. Mm -hmm. We have to, we can't have this contradiction. Oh, you're not selling them, you're educating them. Yet we evaluate you on your ability to educate by how many products you sell. You're sending a mixed message. Mm -hmm. And self-preservation will defer back to what helps me survive, and that's what they're doing. So mm -hmm. I would take that out. I would have recommendations, and I would measure that and make that a non-negotiable in my culture. Retail's just failed because it's a non-negotiable. I mean, it's a negotiable, not, no, no, yeah. yeah, nobody's getting fired. Yet yeah. when I talk to salon owners, I say, what can you get fired for? You guys will get a kick out of this because 50% mm. of the people look at me blankly. Mm. I go, Jay, that's a good question. I right. said, what about being high at work? Well, you know, what about these? Yeah, we had yeah. Like, Hey, this is Colorado, Jay. Exactly. Yeah. What about being late? Nah, we wouldn't have any service providers. What about um, sleeping with coworkers? Jay, we would never have a staff. So, all joking aside, owners will say, you have to dress a certain way. You have to be on time. You can't mm -hmm. be rude. I say, well, how often does that happen? They say, never. I said, you've just illustrated to me yeah. that you can enforce a non-negotiable. Yeah. How do you make this a non-negotiable? So if I can transition now to where this was put into play, Chris, mm -hmm. someone that we talked about earlier on the call, mm -hmm. in a conversation said, Jay, you can't affect my retail. I've been in business 20 years. I'm starting a product company. We're yeah. awesome. Not yeah. only did I guess his retail within 10 seconds, and that's yeah. another story for another time, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he said, you can't affect it. I said, I can. He said, how are you going to do it? I said, I'm going to eliminate commission. He said, that's so absurd. It's yours to do. Yeah. So um, I said, just for fun, I'm going to get people to write prescriptions too. He said, Jay, 20 plus years in business. We've stopped and started 87 times. Totally. Yeah. All years. So here's the story. I got in front of the team and I, uh, I said, I'm not saying that I can. They had 16 stylists, not the biggest salon, not the smallest salon. Yeah. So this is going to illustrate what we're talking. But, but, but a group of very good hairdressers. Right. Very good. Yeah. 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 And so, um, by the way, the owner told me we do retail exceptionally well. My guess was that they were selling to two and a half out of 10 people. I guess the dollar amount. Yeah. After 10 seconds. Yeah. Not the case, not the case. They gave me three years of sales. Yeah. 0 0.22, 0 0.24, and 0.23. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what built the credit. He said, how do you know? I said, it's so predictable because that's what's going on across the United States. So for anybody mm -hmm. listening, look at your numbers. Seven and a half out of 10 people are leaving without purchasing yeah. product. Mm -hmm. So um, I got in front of the staff. I said, they didn't know me. I said, I'm not saying I could, but if hypothetically I could eliminate retail, meaning no more contests, no more training classes, no more one-on-ones, what would your response be? This is exactly what happened. They started applauding. They started <laughs> applauding. And this is a group that start, has ha, starting their own product line. Starting their own product line that was just sold to a large company. For a lot of money. Yes. And so um, I said, okay. So I said, I talked to your owner and here's what we'll do. I said, we will grandfather you in. 
whatever you've averaged in commission over the last 12 months will be in your check each month. As long as you're employing good standing, you support the brand, the culture, and the mission. So as an example, over the last 12 months, if you earn $1,200, divide it by 12, each month, check for $100. Here's what was interesting. When I got the report, and I've done this over and over now, the average person made $7.26 in commission. Now realize there are people at the high end, right? Sure. In, yeah. in my time, this has only been 16 years, so I don't have the experience that you guys have. Two You're times. Yeah. You're calling us old. Experienced, I said. The experience. You guys are chronologically wiser than me. That's what I would say. Yeah. Chronologically wiser. Uh, two times in 16 years, somebody's averaged over $100 a month. The one girl was making $17.30. She said, Jay, I will gladly send you $17.30 a month if we don't have to talk about retail ever yeah. again. Yeah. So after the meeting, everybody's excited. The three top people corner me and they go, you know what? We want our commission in which in the meeting, I just said that they were going to get it. Right. I said, Oh, you're going to get it. I, I said, how much is that? The awkward silence. They didn't know, but it was an interesting no lesson. Right. I'll yes. ask them how much is your rent? How much is your car payment? How much is no your check? How much is your, those things they know, they have no idea about the retail. It just right. shows to me it's that important. Yeah. So these girls didn't know, but what I realized is they didn't want anything taken away. Right. Okay, so we get to that point. I told them that what we're gonna do is we're gonna do something for you and we're gonna do something for the client. So we wanna relieve that stress to open up your creativity because stylists do feel as though recommending and selling, pro selling product stifles their creativity. That's mm -hmm. been my experience. I said, for the client, we're gonna give them a written consultation. And they said, oh, you mean a prescription pad, right? I was going, okay, I see where you're going because they equate the prescription pad with retail. I shift their thinking. Mm -hmm. I said, no, it's the continued client experience. This is to help them after they, they said, oh, okay. Isn't that interesting? Right that little nuance of shifting it. So what we did in the salon is there, they agreed that this would elevate the experience. This would help with their retention, their referral, their rebooking, their reviews. I didn't mention, they said, well, it'll increase retail too. I said, will it? They go, yeah. I go, you believe writing prescription pads would increase retail? This is a true story. Mm -hmm. They said, yeah. I go, then why the hell don't you do it? Right, yeah. Insane. But what I said, no. I said, I, I have no idea. But I just want to increase your retention, your referral, your booking and reviews, and your relationships, which, by the way, every stylist is interested in. So we measured it. So what would happen is the stylist would fill this out. Mm -hmm. and, and they could recommend cleansing, conditioning, styling, a restaurant, a book. I wanted to shift their thinking. This was just about what they know. They know culture. They know art. They know hair. They take it to the front desk. The front desk would say, I want to see what recommendations Jay had and answer any questions you have. It's a very non-threatening type of scenario. Mm -hmm. That would have a barcode in the system that has zero value. Mm -hmm. And the agreement, not the expectation, but the agreement was that 80% of the clients would get this continued client experience. Now, it became a non-negotiable. The reason is that was 100% in the control of the stylist. They cannot control whether someone buys. 
Mm-hmm. They can control whether they recommend, and that's what I wanted to focus on. There are no excuses for that. That's a non-negotiable. The way you dress, the way you perform at work, the way you show up on time, the way we deliver our client experience and show we care, right. non-negotiable. I'm not preaching. I'm just saying in my business, the way we show up for our clients, and we sh- mm-hmm. non-negotiable. Anything that contributes to that, non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. So they would scan it. The goal, if you were busy, you saw 40 people in a week, is that 32 of them had it. Mm-hmm. So the team completely agreed to this. We got their commitment. And that's another thing. If you're going to incorporate something, a new policy procedure, you need to find out the same thing. What is your current thinking about this? And what needs to change in your thinking so this happened? So I asked them, I said, based on this, what do you guys think as far as a tool to help you through retention? They said, we love it. I said, great. So this is going to become a non-negotiable. They said, yeah, again, what they help create is what they commit to. Right. I said, in the event this is not done, what should the consequences be? Yeah. And listen, consequences could be good and bad, you know. So um, they said, well, we should be talked to. And I said, well, how long should go by? They said, well, if you're not hitting it the first week, someone should talk to you. The second week to fix it. If it's not done the third week, the second week, the third week, there should be another conversation. And that one's a little bit more serious. I said, what makes that one more serious? They said, this is 100% in our control. So it's not, we're just choosing not to do it. And I don't want, if I'm going to do it, then everybody should do it. This was great. This is where you began to shift your thinking. Right. So at the end of the first year, we went from 71,000 to 117,000. I have all the data in my computer. We'll send Mm -hmm. it. We were averaging 772 continued client uh, experiences, or what people know as a prescription pad. But I had changed the word, right? The second year, we had a 61% increase over the previous year. And by the way, Chris, you know who it was? They shut down the sidewalk for three months in front of them. And we had that increase. And at the end of the last year, they're averaging 963. That was an example where we shifted the thinking and the emotions and got the behavior that was sustainable. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you for that, Jay. So um, there's a couple of things I want to touch base on real quick um, because I want to kind of pull this together if I could, right? Um, One of the things that caught my attention is you kind of threw out five R's at me. Um, and I wrote a couple of them down, rebooking, referrals, reviews, retention. What's the other one I'm missing? Relationships. Relationships. Let's talk we, about that. Are we that. still in that business, John? Um, are we that still the, in a relationship? Isn't that, really, isn't that really the only business we're really in, if we get right down to it? There you go, my friend. It should have yeah. been the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, um, so you guys may know him, Josh Hafitt. So I have another business. I have two partners. And so if you don't know him... His father, Howard, actually started a Salon Today magazine. It's a great, great man. But I'm going to quote Josh here. We were talking one day. He said, Jay, if we only did business with people we liked, we wouldn't be in business. Mm-hmm. So to your point, the people who are adept, and I talk about emotional intelligence in my book, mm-hmm. are the people that have the ability to identify and understand an emotion in themselves, meaning I don't like someone possibly, sure. and adjust their behaviors. And the most successful stylists I've seen to your point, realize I'm in the people business. There'll be a direct correlation between how well I know people, including Mm -hmm. myself, my peers, my clients, Mm -hmm. and how successful I am. Mm -hmm. But people is relationship. Right. So 
I'm going to release my inner accountant, if that's okay. All right. Yes. Oh, we've been waiting for that, right, Chris? Well, before, <laughs> before you do that, John. What? Are you saying I know, that's not I know, oh. I know, I know. Speaking of relationships. That's where uh, I was going to go. I know. Oh, well, so, or, well, I, I thought we'd do a mini commercial for Jay. Okay. You uh, know what? He's earned it. Let's give him a yeah. mini commercial. So, so, because, yeah, because you're, you know, you're giving so much. And as the listener, I may be sitting here thinking, this is great. I want more. Um, you know, first of all, I, I named uh, your book when we first started the podcast. It's Leave Your Mark. But share a little bit of, Jay, I'm listening to you. I'm loving what you're sharing. I want to get to know more. How do we find you? Oh, I appreciate you um, asking. So the easiest way is if you go to Jay, J-A-Y, Williams, C-O.com. So jwilliamsco.com. And listen, as I'm saying it, it sounds like it's narcissistic. Someone just told me it's the easiest way. Don't have your name in a separate company. So, yes. And if you go there um, and you hit on the tab, there will be the work there. Um, there will be the book there. Uh, and you click on there, you can uh, get the book either in a paperback form or a um, ebook. As of next week, we completed the audio as well. Stylist told me they want that. You'll be able to get that. Here's what I would tell you is that 100% of the profits of the book go towards stopping human trafficking. So the reason I say that is that Amazon, I put the book on there as well. They take 60% of the profits that are there. So if you are listening, yes, you can get it on Amazon. And if you get it at jwilliamsco.com, 100% of those profits go directly towards stopping human trafficking. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Thanks, Thank you Jay. for the plug. Yes. Um, uh, are there, and so, and that's the best way to get contacted with you. Yeah. And actually, if you want to reach out, you can contact uh, me via, via that as well. Awesome. Love it. Fantastic. John, let's get into some math. All right. So just, so, well, it's not going to be that much because I'm going to try to keep it easy too. We talked about these five R's, right? Relationships, rebooking, referrals, reviews, relate, retention, right? Mm-hmm. I can measure rebooking. I can measure that. I can measure referrals, right? I can measure retention. Heck, I can even measure reviews. How do we measure for the folks in the audience? How do I measure relationships? How do I make that? How do I help people understand that? Uh, John, you got to prep me with questions ahead of time, okay? <laughs> this is America. Can I talk about stopping uh, world hunger and then we move sure. in? Here's what I'd say about relationships. If if you're listening and you want to get a barometer, something tangible, Mm -hmm. is you need to ask yourself this, is do you have clients who are um, satisfied or loyal? Uh, That's really the question to understand. So people listening are going to say, oh, well, if you're satisfied, you will be loyal. So here's the question. Are Are your clients and are your employees satisfied or loyal? So you right. guys would respond. Here's the second question. Well, which is more important to you is it be a second question. Here's another question. Is your spouse or significant other, do you want them to be satisfied or loyal? So I right. see the smile on your face, John. It's a loaded question, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I know you guys- for both. So. You, yeah, I'm a little bit of both. both. <laughs> yeah. So let, let me just say, Hey, after 29 years of marriage, not to pull that card on you guys, 
I have not always satisfied my wife, and I realize there's a joke there, and you guys listening are better than that. But if you've been in a relationship, um, intellectually, emotionally, financially, sexually, there could be times you do not satisfy that person. Right. Where the relationship works is to where there's loyalty. And so right. that's why, and I think it's for another conversation. It's another podcast. I yeah. focus on emotional intelligence because mm -hmm. it's that emotional element that builds loyalty. Because with your clients, satisfaction's subjective. You know, how many times, so Chris, you know, I'm just thinking of you, have you done work and your guy, you know, who's done platform work and educational work and you sit back and you go, you're, you're like God on day seven. I think I'll rest. I've done some really good work here only to have your client go, well, yeah, you know, it's okay. And Chris, I know you've done work where you're like, oh dear God, get me through this one and I'll never pick up scissors. And what does your client say? Hey, I... Yes, that's my point. It becomes subjective if it's based on satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Loyalty has an emotional component. Mm -hmm. And this is really interesting. So I was talking to um, my sister's a psychologist. So I'll tell you this brief story. My mom was married four times. She wasn't married to my dad. So my sister has a different father. Between her mom and dad, nine marriages. Does it surprise you she became a psychologist? The joke yeah. is working our own issues. Guess what she did her thesis on? Why marriages last, okay? You're tracking with me. Sure. So, um, and John, you met my sister. She came on yeah. stage with me one time when I was there. So she said to me, she said, you know, I said, well, what's the secret? She said, here's what I found out. Marriages that last were not based on satisfaction. They're based on loyalty. Loyalty to the concept and loyalty to the person. And so when you talk about relationships as we're interacting with our clients is, mm -hmm. are we doing it based on satisfaction, which is subjective? Are we doing it based on loyalty? If it's based on loyalty, there's an emotional component. Everything looks, our con it's a different conversation. Our consultation looks different. Yeah. I have this yeah. concept around a post consultation, but it's to build this emotional commitment from my employees and from our peers and from our clients. So to answer your question, that's what you begin to look at. How it shows up mm. is in what you said, the retention, the referral, the rebooking. If you, it's basically building trust. And I talk about this in the book because this right. is the currency that we work off of. So if you want to know what your trust rating is with your clients, look at your retention. If you have 72%, then 72% of your clients trust you enough, are loyal enough to rebook yeah, with you. That's right. uh, Man, I mean, that's you just unloaded. Uh, you just unloaded a, a a blanket of bombs on us, you know, to kind of to kind of finish out and start to wind this podcast down. Uh, we, right. You know, we on so many good points, and there's so many nuggets throughout this conversation. I'm guessing if you're the listener, you may want to go back and rehear this uh, and rehash it again. And in, in the spirit of um, number one, I want to say thank you for the amount of time that you put in with us today. I know we went a little long. But um, super worth it for the listener, John. As we start to wind this down, any any thoughts? Um, any kind of last final thoughts? Uh, the first thing I want to say, Jay. Yes, sir. I've missed you. I've missed you too, my friend. This is the beauty <laughs> of technology. I feel you know, reconnected to you. Every time, every time, every time, and you know, uh, we haven't spent as much time in the last year or so yet. You know, when at the school, we had the great luxury of having you there four times in a year. 
Um, for you know, two years. Yeah. Every time I get together with you, I walk away a, a better human being, and I want to thank you for that. Uh, uh, I thank you guys for trusting me with your audience and your time as well. Um, I think the big nugget that I think we can share with everybody, and to keep it brief, because I know we've kept this, you know, this podcast long, although I think we've just set ourselves up for Jay Williams part two. Rebooking—that's <laughs> rebooking. If you're listening, yes. Um, you know the thinking, the emotion, the behavior eventually, you know, gets you to that performance level. And you know, maybe we should spend a little less time trying to manipulate people's behavior. And that was my word. Um, and start working on where people's thinking is coming from, and, and helping them realign their thinking, not to our benefit, but to theirs, right? Um, and so I thank you for that piece today. Thank you, That's guys. Awesome. Yeah. Jay, as we as we start to roll this around, anything you feel like we, we left on the table as it relates to this conversation or any last words of inspiration? No, with education, you guys both do it. You just got to know when to quit. So yeah. I'm going to quit right here. And just thank you guys for what you do, because um, I don't think people realize you're not reimbursed for this. There's not a financial component. So it's mm -hmm. really just out of the generosity uh, to leave people in a better place than you found them. So I'm grateful and for people like me. It gives you a, a venue to get the messaging out. So thank you guys. Yeah, well, we appreciate you. And in the spirit of gratitude to the listener, we want to thank you for hanging in with us uh, today. Again, it was a long one, but a really, really profound. And uh, we really appreciate it. With that said, uh, John, what, what, what do we need to ask him to do? You know, I, I haven't asked this before, but I think it's time for me to start asking, hey, can you guys write us a wicked good five-star review? I mean, it just came to me. Like, I don't know what it was. I don't know what came over me, but I was thinking, hey, wouldn't it be great if people wrote us a wicked good review? It would be amazing. You got the phone in your hand. Leave right. us a wicked good review. And for and those of you who are our French speakers north of the border in Canada, it's wicked. That also, that means five. That means yeah. five stars. Yeah. Um, we appreciate it. If you want to connect with us, uh, you can find us on Instagram at 124.go as well as at 124go.com. So thanks again, everybody. We appreciate you listening, and we will see you on the next episode. Bye, everybody. Do you want to stop cloud recording? <laughs>